Today on the show, strategy plus action equals developing your speaking superpowers. Great coaches and consultants like you have the ability to change people's lives and transform entire organizations. And your impact can often go far beyond the clients you work with. One of the reasons I love working with coaches and consultants is because of that ripple effect. This show is here to highlight your expertise and empower you with resources and new ideas to grow your business. Welcome to Strategy in Action. Welcome to Strategy in Action. I'm your host, Jason Croft. And today we've got Jane Patterson on the show. We have an amazing conversation all around communication. She is an absolute expert in not only giving people the the you know tips and strategies and all that to communicate better, whether that's speaking from the stage or being in a job interview to communicating with your kids at home, she goes so much deeper than that for folks by addressing what's keeping them from communicating in the first place. And that is a big aspect to this conversation and to the art of communication that honestly, I just never even considered. I never thought about it before. So I love this conversation because she is such an expert at this. And we we go down several paths from you know why it's so important, both sides of communication, both speaking and listening how you can do both better and you know all of those things that it takes to just have that intention to become better at all of this and why you should because again this goes beyond standing on a stage and giving a speech how you communicate with folks affects absolutely every area of your life so why not be great at it that's how i feel i think that's how jane feels as well so let's jump in Jane Patterson, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jason. It's really great to join you and all your listeners today. Oh, thanks so much. This is fun. You and I met in J.D. Gershbein's group, a past guest of the show, and uh, just a great connector of folks. So um, that was, was, you know, what I love about LinkedIn, right? You know, finding folks in a group like that, you, you... resonate with certain people. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I connected with you on LinkedIn, saw several of your fantastic posts around public speaking and all of this. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, selfishly, I want to talk and dig into this topic because I, I just love it. I love communication skills and getting better at all of that. And then for my audience here, I know Heck, all of us can benefit from being better uh, public speakers. So I want to I want to dig deep on this topic for sure, and um, but give folks a little bit of geography, if you will, on on how you're helping folks with communication skills. Thank you for the question, Jason. You know, it's so much about if you develop your speaking skills, you will alter every interaction in your life, whether it's a communication, brief communication with someone in your family, a business presentation, or a job interview. If you've worked on those skills in an authentic fashion, you are definitely going to grow your career. You know, you might even bring about change, inspire others. There's so many things you can do by just growing that skill set. And it's eminently doable. 
by everybody. And the greatest thing about public speaking, you don't have to practice or study for years in order to see some benefit. It's one of those areas where with a little bit of guidance, a little bit of coaching, you can drop those poor habits and start working towards the great habits. As long as you always stay authentic to yourself, because the moment you try to put on some persona, you're going to get onto shaky territory. But if you do that, it will change every aspect of your life. I guarantee it. I love that too. That, I mean, right out of the gate, we're talking big. Like this will change your life, and I'm I'm yes. glad that you went there because I I believe in that so much. It's one of those skills. I call it, you know, kind of an anchor skill or an exponential yes. skill because it's one of those things that if you develop this one thing, it will enhance all aspects of your interactions. You know, inter- interviewing is another one of those anchor skills that goes way beyond, you know, a show or something like this. And I think this falls right in line with that. And it really is. I mean, it just takes a little bit of really intentionality in the beginning. And like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't take, you know, this isn't a four-year degree that you need to go get <laughs> at all. Um, but at the same time, there's always opportunity to yes. get better. And to me, that that's, I don't know, that's the fun stuff. I guess because connecting with people and, and just doing that better is fun, that developing a skill like this is, has, has been fun for me. So, Exactly. You know, where where did this start in terms of, you know, making this a business and realizing that you could help people in this area? Okay. So the weird thing is that my breakthrough moment was really at the darkest point of my life. And before everybody gets worried, I'll backfill that slightly. So my initial job out of postgrad. I was working with a newspaper and I was very much front facing, doing a lot of welcoming and presentations and greetings and big promotional events, etc. And I was not forced into, but it was part of my job to speak to people all the time in that role of standing up in front of them. And I I did it. I loved it. I don't know if I did it that well, but I, I wasn't scared and I really enjoyed it. I then ran my own business, which required, again, a lot of pitching to clients, etc., and I thought, you know, I, I really like this. It intrigues me. I'm fascinated by the energy exchange of someone speaking and someone listening, whether that someone is one or that someone is 500. It just, that dynamic was very interesting to me because it goes back to we learn to speak before we learn to read. But what do we practice in schools? Reading, reading, reading. No one teaches you how to speak. So we left South Africa and we moved here. My children were very little, three and six, and we moved here. And this was always at the back of my mind. So I started looking around and thinking, "Mm, I wonder how I can get into this. Did a few courses and joined Toastmasters, which is a great organization, and dabbled around the edges. But it really wasn't front and center. In fact, I'd focused on tutoring, writing tutoring. That was one of my postgrads. I became a writing tutor in the afternoons. And, you know, I was balancing all of this, but it was at the back of my mind. And then a friend came to me and said, you know, you're a writer and you go to Toastmasters. I have a friend who needs to write a father of the bride speech. Do you think you can help him? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, 
hold my cup of tea, here I'm coming, and just jumped in at it and found that it was just that perfect sweet spot. So again, I was just doing this as a favor for people, dabbling around the edges, it sort of grew, and I played around with the name of my business, One Perfect Speech. And, you know, but it was on the side. I was I was business adjacent. I wasn't involved in it. And then, very sadly, when my son was 15, he was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. He is now absolutely 100% fine. But it's very, very dramatic. Anybody who's nursed a child through pediatric cancer will know it is devastating. And for male teenagers, it is a four-year, almost a four-year treatment of chemotherapy, et cetera. It was in those first months to that first year that I realized that my speaking skills and my ability to communicate put me in a different bracket to the other parents, for right or wrong. I was able to listen to what the doctors were saying without immediately going to what would be a normal parent's spot of defensive. Why are you saying that? We're not doing this. I, you know, calm down, listen, pay attention, really effective listening, engage in what they were saying. I knew how to pose the correct questions. I knew how to structure the language. I knew how to persuade people to do things. And as manipulative as that sounds, and I'll own that because this was my son and I would have done anything for him, I really saw how the professional team, the oncologist, handled me differently to the other parents simply because I was more able to express my thoughts. I could speak with clarity and concision. There were many things I was doing that I picked up without even knowing it just in my years of study and doing various things that really set me apart. And as he drew to getting better and better, I thought, you know, this is the stuff that changes people's lives. And it's not about giving that one speech. It's not about I have the business presentation of my life. What I think, and I always say to people, I didn't, this wasn't apparent to me. You never know. You never know at what point in your life you're going to need to advocate for someone or something. And you do not want to be your first time of practicing those skills. You don't want that to be the first time you practice it. When the limelight swings your way for good or bad, you better be prepared. And for me, I was just thrown at the deep end, as were all parents. You know, your life goes off a cliff like that when you get the news. And it was such an epiphany. And that's when I thought, this is something I, I really want to do. I want people to be empowered to speak up so that they are prepared for whatever. And it ranges over so many fields. But that that was the, the thing that brought me to do what I do now, because I really saw the difference it made for me, but more importantly, in my son's treatment. That is so powerful. I love that moment of realization. And I love that distinction, which honestly, I've never thought about before when it comes to communication is that advocating, whether for someone else, for yourself, you may have an opportunity of a lifetime come in front of you that, that you can't grab a hold of because you can't communicate your side and what you really want or how you would be perfect for it um, if you haven't developed those skills ahead of time. Yeah, that's so powerful. I, I love that 
I want to go. I want to go specifically right now to a, a, another aspect of this that that you mm. brought up when it comes to speaking, because you know we all hear speaking. We think standing in front of a stage, giving a speech and all of that. And, and I think, I hope for everybody, it's clear right now that we're, <laughs> we're talking way deeper than that. You know, this is, um, from, you know, the interaction you have at the grocery store to yes. that speech, to trying to communicate better with your kids, you know, like it just runs the gamut. And the other part of that, that I don't think gets spoken about enough is, the other half, the listening, you know, I remember, oh my gosh, I was still, I had to have been still in high school. I remember the, for some reason I have this memory of like driving around and, and, and it, because I had someone in my life who was, you know, was amazingly frustrated with who didn't listen well. Right. And it was so, you know, you're talking to them and they're like, you know, doing the, you know, and, oh. and I just, I, I remember being so hyper aware of that, that I had that intentionality way back then. It was like, I'm going to be the greatest listener in the history of anything, you know? And that is a skill that has served me so well to really stop, listen, really take in what the other person is saying. But the other half of that is making sure that the other person feels like you're listening and taking in what they're saying. And those are two very different skills <laughs> that are powerful. Talk to me a little bit what you've seen and, and how you coach people on that, that part of the art of communication, the listening side. Listening is something that we all think we can just do because, again, from babies, you hear sounds and you respond. And unfortunately, I think through intellectual development over time, in many societies, we associate a smart mind, a quick mind, with someone who's got the quick answers. We don't, we don't want people to think about something. We're impressed when we ask a question and boom, the other guy's in with an answer. That is honestly one of the worst things you can do, but it's very difficult to fix immediately. So the tips and techniques that I work with clients that they practice, they don't practice them only when they get into a work situation or when they're having a difficult conversation, possibly with a child or an older parent, but that they can practice just in their normal lives. As you were saying, you know, going into the coffee shop type of thing and practice that those skills for effective listening. Because exactly as you said, it's not only using your ears to listen to what the other person says. It's preventing yourself from the urge of jumping in with a response and also demonstrating them. You can't only listen, you have to be seen to be listening. If you follow what I'm saying, what you were referring to about them being two separate areas, the other person knows that you actually hear them. And that's when the verbal component and the nonverbal component are so important that when the person is speaking, imagine a difficult conversation with an employee and you think, right, I'm really going to be a great listener and you sit and you press your lips together so you, you not, don't have the desire to answer or whatever. But there's so many other things. If you just sit there with a blank face and nod, you know, you look like those little nodding dogs that people have on their desks or whatever. It's absolutely pointless. You need to back it up in so many different ways. And those are areas that we work on because as much as you said, half the part of speaking 
is being a good listener, a really effective listener. Because if you're not an effective listener, whatever response you give might completely miss the point. Because the person speaking here, you're already forming your thoughts in your mind. I think I'm going to say this. And you start responding and we're completely out of sync. Whereas the more effective listeners who just take that moment will structure their response in a way that is much more directed toward the other person. Because a lot of listening is almost a negotiation. I said this. Did I hear you correctly? Did you say that? Yes. Do I understand you? It's that sort of thing. We don't use those exact terms. You can. There are ways of doing that. But we're almost playing this constant, you know, call and response, call and response, where you speak and I'm trying to figure out, did I hear you correctly or not? And people sometimes are anxious to request clarification because they feel it makes them look foolish. Whereas, in fact, that is the first thing we need to get over is if you're not clear on the question, in addition to pausing and doing all those things, you know, holding back on forming your next thought, if the question is not clear or apparent to you, you are far better off just saying, you know, you can paraphrase it, you can say, did I understand you correctly? Are we, is this what we're talking about? There are many gentle ways you can do it. I've never met someone, a speaker, who was, irritated, upset, or bothered about their listener seeking clarification. In fact, it usually makes the speaker feel like, wow, this guy's really trying to get to the heart of my message. He's not just glibly tossing out an answer. So that is one of the aspects that, that definitely we work on because it is two halves, as you've said, clearly pointed out of, of the same subject. Yeah, that's a good point. I've noticed that in whether virtually or, or, or in person, I get way more frustrated as a fellow audience member <laughs> at the person asking the question. And I, and I have that, that visceral memory because I get frustrated on the inside, you know, I keep it to myself most of the time. Uh, but I'm always impressed with those speakers, those presenters who, like you said, they, they usually welcome that clarification because yes. they're like, oh, thank goodness you asked rather right. than just left, either didn't buy, didn't take action, didn't, you know, go use what I was teaching because you just didn't understand. They would much prefer that you ask for that, that clarification. Yes. Even yeah. in social settings as well. You know, you think of partners, you know, uh, family partners, not business partners, and the one person says something and the other one's like, wait, did I really, did I really get that right? Is that really what they want? And and so you, you form a response, but you've missed the mark completely. Just take a breath. Just take a breath and say, hey, you know, was that, am I following what you're saying or whatever? And, and take it from there. Honestly, they will be so happy because they know you can't read their mind and they can't read your mind. So seek that next step. It also in difficult or sometimes stressful conversations, I won't say difficult, but conversations that are maybe freighted with a lot of emotion, it, it is a, such a good way to move the conversation forward. Because in order, if I ask you, is that, did I understand you correctly? Did, is this kind of where we, you're talking about? And you come back. We need to collaborate. We, we need to actually work together in a few little sections of time and space to make sure we're, you know, oh, is this what we're doing here, Jason? And then we can step back. And that the moment we step forward like that, 
any conversation that is freighted with a difficult emotion, maybe with a, a teenage child or even I said an elderly parent, that moment of let's just all agree what we're talking on before we go back to our, our standpoints often helps lower the stress, the tension, and starts to open the doors a little bit more to, okay, I'm willing to hear your answer and, and the other person, I'm willing to hear your input. So it, it's definitely a work. A, a, technique to use in all facets of your life, not, not just business. That's great. I want to get into a little more of, of that, of how you help folks, you know, how you work with them and what some of that process is. I'm curious how much, you know, having somebody, you know, watch themselves back, listen to themselves back is, is part of that training. I know for me, just, jumping in a few years ago with the first show I ever did out of sheer, like, eh, I'll do that, whatever, yeah. you know, <laughs> well, why not? Uh, but watching those episodes back, listening to those episodes back has been the greatest mm-hmm. communication teacher <laughs> I've had. Um, and I tell people all the time, whether they're clients or they're going to go do their own show, I was like, you're not going to want to do this ever, but you must. It yes. will help you so much. You, you'll you hate the sound of your voice. You'll hate looking at yourself, all of that stuff. But two things will happen. One, it'll be the greatest teacher you ever have in just communicating in life, right? Yes. Um, and two, over time, you develop this very interesting um, separation of mm-hmm. insecurity. Like, oh, that's mean. Oh, I don't like how I look. You know, and you'll, you'll kind of step back of just like, oh, it's that person doing this thing. Oh yeah, I really got my point across there. Oh, I, you know, that I did that well. It, it's interesting how that works. Is that, is that part of how you sort of train people and coach people through stuff? Oh my goodness, Jason, you've opened so many doors here. So let me go back to your original question because it's, you've gone from one thing, segued into something else that are both equally as important. So I'm going to tackle the first one where you said, how, how do you really coach someone to become a better speaker? You have to meet the person where they are. So people come to me for myriad amount of reasons. And often the the niche that I've become more affiliated with, although I do all types of clients, is people who historically and systemically have had their voices squashed. So sometimes the way a person has been raised culturally or within the family dynamic, they were never given the space to speak up. It was the, you know, the parents, the caregiver was putting their spotlight on somebody else in the family, maybe someone older, someone of a different gender, maybe someone who had greater needs. And you then learn, you know, I've got brilliant thoughts here, but I'm going to keep quiet and sit in a corner. So people will come to me, particularly women, particularly women who are first language, not English, will often reach great heights in their career, but don't speak up. They don't feel confident to speak up. It's all here. It doesn't come out here. So working with somebody like that is very, very different to working with someone who is already, you know, a fairly accomplished speaker, but is being told within their business either you need to, you know, even improve your communication skills in those 360 reviews people do, or it could be this is a new position you're in, you're going to be more front-facing, there are going to be more presentations, you're going to be doing more customer pitches, client, you know, reach-outs, whatever. So they come for different reasons. So the way you're going to coach them is going to be very different because their ultimate goal is different. 
And that's why the programs are much more, I, I do do group sessions, but I'm much more one-on-one. And I prefer if the person just, you know, reaches out to me and we book a time and then develop their specific program from, for there because you don't work on the things they're already doing well. You're trying to work on the areas where they really could have some improvement. That's the first part. There's not a set formula for how you would coach the person. A lot of it is sharing, you know, techniques and ways of doing it. But it is also we do a lot of speaking and I would, you know, they they would present to me or speak to me and give a few minute sentences or whatever. And I would course correct as we go along. Using the video is a brilliant, brilliant thing that in this, you know, time and age we're able to do. People can just grab their phone and video themselves. But you need to be careful what client you're suggesting does that. Because as you and I know, as much as we do this talking stuff for a business, there is something (laughs) deeply unsettling about seeing your own face and hearing your own accent and seeing your hand gestures, etc. And exactly like you, I started two, three years ago posting those tips on LinkedIn, you know, every Wednesday. And in the beginning, when it was captioned, you know, I've got so many captions and tidies it up and sends it back to me. I almost couldn't look at my own face. But like you, I just think, well, this is part of the job and get on with it. But that's not going to work. That feeling of being, this is really quite dreadful. I'm not going to do that with someone who's already trying to find their own voice, who's trying to learn to speak up. Because showing them what they're doing is honestly going to undermine them. They're, they're going to think, well, there's, there's all hope is lost here. So yeah, I It's like that. Mentioned. You can practice at something. You can practice your golf swing 100 hours you know, a week. But if... Yeah you're not being taught the right way, it's not going to do you any good. That's a good point. So that, no. But for people who are coming with, you know, literally a speech or doing a presentation, absolutely. And the way that you practice your presentations is not memorization or writing it out in full or anything like that. And that using, even as I say, you know, your cell phone as your your video recorder right from the start is integral to what they're going to do because boy do you pick up a lot of weird things that you do that you had no idea you were doing until you hear yourself and see yourself played back so i think that answered both questions oh big time time. (laughs) yeah it's it's so funny that i still remember episodes well it still happens I still remember episodes from that original show that I did. I would just be yelling at myself (laughs) in playback of like, finish a sentence, man. Good. Ned, you just asked six questions without finishing a sentence. Come on. So, yes, uh, there's definitely things that you find out that you want to improve on. But I, I love this aspect of that first type of person that you talk about who you who you coach. So in that process... How much is diagnosis then in figuring that out? If they don't, if they don't even know why they can't seem to communicate or get their thoughts out in their organization, is there, is it diagnosis and and how do you go about that? It's very interesting because people want value, but in order to give them the value, a lot of it in the beginning, the first couple of sessions is really just talking. I'm trying to find out, will they stand their ground? If I interrupt them, what will they do? How will they handle it? There's, it's not a game, but there's ways I go through it where to them, and I warn them, I say, these first one or two sessions are going to feel a bit like 
we're chatting over a cup of coffee. But trust me, this is what, what we're doing. Because a lot of the time, the people I work with, particularly first language, not English, as I said, or people who have culturally been, had their voices diminished, you need to understand, as you said, what is that element of holding them back? Now, I've done it enough times that I know there are certain tropes that go with these various groups that you can usually, that you can, you can work around. But the key thing, and this is where people will say, oh, well, I can just go online and and watch videos on how to improve my speaking. And you absolutely can. There are some amazing people out there, full props to them. But if you don't do the mind shift, if you don't understand what is the purpose of these sessions, you're never going to get there. So I'm going to give you a very tiny example that always works, that sort of, you know, clients are always a little bit shocked and perplexed when I do this. So one of the things I do is interview technique. And I'll say to clients, whether they're, you know, college kids going for their first job, you know, internship in the summer, or whether it's someone, you know, newly out of college climbing the ladder, whatever stage they're at. And I'll say to them, so so why are you doing all these interviews? You know, so what is the purpose of these interviews? And they'll look at me like, oh, my goodness, this lady's completely lost the plot. And they'll say, you know, in a very, you know, <laughs> humor the old lady, they'll say, well, I'm going to look for a job. I'm trying to get a job. And I say to them, no, you're not. <laughs> that is absolutely not the purpose of why you're doing this. You are going to this interview to connect with another human being in order to create a relationship so that you can develop an atmosphere from which a job offer can come. That's simply it. If you go in and thinking, I'm trying to land a job, I'm trying to land a job, I'm trying to land a job, you're going to be like the 30 other people that saw that they saw that day. And when they go home that night and pour themselves that glass of wine, you're just going to blend into the background. You have to know what is the purpose of this communication. So when people come to me and they'll say, you know, I'm this high and I've worked with some very brilliant high level women, you know, I'm, I'm this high up in the company. Uh, everybody respects my, my knowledge. I'm you know, regarded as a thought leader. People come to me for all this advice, but I just, I get spoken over in meetings. I'm scared of speaking up. I'm constantly interrupted. Meetings are always hijacked by a core group of three or four people and the rest of us can't break in and they don't know what to do. You then, you, they're all the techniques and tips and boy, do I share those. But I've got to say, okay, so what is your purpose here? What, what is your what is your purpose? Why do you want to be, why do you want your voice to be heard? And then we start digging down into this whole area of that your voice is worthy of being heard. Your thoughts matter and what you have to contribute. If you're in a business setting and you've been hired in that business setting and they're paying you oodles of money to be in that business setting, then it is up to you to share your thoughts. Every time you choose to keep quiet, and trust me, it is a choice. Every time you choose to keep quiet, you are metaphorically handing that microphone to somebody else, right? Just saying, here you go. I'm giving you the space to speak up, right? Because I'm going to keep quiet. If it's always the same voices who are handed the microphone, or let's say they grab the microphone, they interrupt and take that microphone, their voices will dominate. And what you will get is you will get an exclusionary business setting. You will not have an inclusive business setting because eventually the voices that dominate 
will be what the culture becomes and they will move that project, that team, that business in the direction they're pulling. Not because these are bad people or anything, it's simply because they have been offered the space to speak up and they are confident and empowered to grab that microphone. So it's up to you, whatever position you come from, whatever group you reflect or whatever your basis is, you need to make your voice heard, literally and figuratively. And the first part is literally, you have to learn to speak up. So you have to remind yourself, my purpose here for speaking up is that I know my stuff and I'm eager to share it with my audience and it is worth sharing with these people. And I'm going to make sure that my viewpoint, with all its quirks and biases and foibles that we all come with, also gets an airing. So you have to start from that point. If you're just going to say, I'm going to learn tips and techniques, then kind of, you know, buy the book. Yeah, I I love that we're having this conversation because that's another aspect that I just didn't even think about when it comes to improving all of this is that getting to the the mindset part of it first and getting past the, the all of the you know again tips and tricks and just right you know this is happening but actually digging in and rewiring a little bit and going okay here you know it isn't it isn't a technique in terms of why you're not speaking up in that meeting, it's this, this, this. Yes. And then that's a totally different coaching session, right? <laughs> it, it really is. It, it really is. But you weave the two together so that you're not just digging down and trying to unpack it for the person in order that they can begin to move to a slightly different space in their mind, but that you can promise and show them there are tools to do this. You know, you, you're not on your own. This is something that is eminently doable, and there are ways that you can reach into that toolbox. Because the mind shift is part of it, but you, you do need those tools that you can reach in and say, okay, this is the situation, this is what I can be doing. But the first with everything is what is the purpose of this? Why do I want to do this? Even if you're giving a speech, you know, what is the purpose of this speech? Why should they even care? Why should people even pay attention to me? Because you have to earn their time. Even if you're giving a business presentation, just because your colleagues are there, it doesn't mean that they, they came willingly. We all know that scenario. But you need to say, you know, why should they even care? Why should they give me the attention? Because if you're not going to meet them on their side, it's going to be just you here, them there, and in between, there's a giant chasm. How are we going to bridge that chasm? How are we going to build that bridge between that they're coming from their side and I'm coming from my side? And that's where you have to dig down, okay, what, what is the purpose of this speech? Because no speech or business presentation is, is ever just given in a vacuum. It's not. Even, even business presentations, you, you might be saying to the people, you know, this is a presentation about how we're going to get rid of half the teams and double the other teams and move everybody to South America. Right. So the purpose is, this is a persuasion technique. This is a presentation where I'm trying to persuade these people why this is right, assuage their fears, and explain and motivate and maybe inspire them to say, hey, 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 this is a great thing. I can see where I fit in here. But if you just go and say, I'm not going to recount all this information about team A, B, C, and D, honestly, you may as well put it in an email and just send it around to everybody because you've got, you're not doing anything 
to illuminate or, or speak to them as human beings. And that's where communication and business breaks down a lot of the time is that people just become a speaking document. You know, just as I always say, just just type it in Word and send us an attachment that makes you feel happier because you're not really adding any value here. So it, it really is very much about the the purpose. That That's everything. But, I mean, isn't that so much of life, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, from again, from the the conversation with your spouse in the evening to that big move that the company's about to make, getting into that why why are we having this? And like so many of these things, you you mentioned it earlier. Like when it comes to communication, we think, well, that's just you just know, like you just know this stuff. Like we're human and we know how to talk and all of that stuff. And and to actually step back and realize the the skill that it is to to do it well, it it takes that intentionality, takes that that shift around. I love that that aspect of it of having, you know, an intention and obviously at the surface level, it's almost like, you know, go however many levels deep, right? On on your on your why or whatever. It's like it's like going like why are you giving this speech? Well, I have to tell everybody about this company move. Yeah. Okay, but why are you in front of them right. doing it? You know, and on and taking it yeah. down down through that. Absolutely, absolutely. I love that. What what kind of you know in our more and more this version of communication? How many things are you know exactly the same? In terms of, you know, communicating with somebody virtually like this. And what are some of those nuances that you coach people on when they are going to have to be separated through through a camera, through, a, you know, a Zoom call or whatever it may be? Let's just say it's become a lot better. Initially, I only worked prior to COVID. I only worked with people in person. And then that was a choice I made. I'm happy with the size of my business. It's fine. I can drive to people. I go to their offices. They come to mine. It was all absolutely hunky-dory. But COVID obviously forced me to do this, and I was darn skeptical. I really thought this is never going to work and, you know, went into all the anxiety about, well, how am I going to pick up on their energy? And I can't see what position their feet are in, et cetera, because that really does bear a part in it. Every part of your body will communicate a message. So before you even open your mouth, you're already speaking. You don't even realize it. So, you know, in the old days, I, I working with a, um, she was a whiskey ambassador, a lovely girl, and she went around all the bars and, you know, had to give her pitch as to why they should stock her whiskey. And, you know, there are lots of things she needed to look at their body language, make sure her body language was conveying the message coming out of her mouth. Because sometimes a person's mouth is saying this, and their body's saying this, watch where their feet go, watch how they position their hands, the straightness of their head, there's a million things. And I'm thinking, I can never do this. I'm not going to, how can I see this on camera? But we all adjusted, didn't we? And I've now got to the point that I think we're, we can get, I wouldn't go as close as 95% we can achieve it, but we can draw pretty close to that mainly because a lot of what when we're speaking, although the rest of our body sends a message, most of your message is here, you understand. And the next stage would be from here down to your waist. So this is the, the box in which your hand gestures should take place if you're in person. Now, on camera, we now we've got to juggle. Do we want to be close enough that people can read our micro facial expressions? 
you know, see the little corner of the mouth turning up with a slight frown and try to interpret that? Or do we say, okay, sit way back and see more of the body and more of the hand gestures, but you're going to be tiny, tiny, tiny. So that for me was a big adjustment. But I do work with people now. I, I mean, 90% of my work, 95% is all virtual like this. And for me, it's been a great boon and I really love it. And I've been able to meet people and present literally all over the world. But we do lose some part of it. We absolutely do lose some part of it. But the way I always say is then you have to compensate for the things we are losing by doing other things really, really well. And that would get down to being more aware of the pace at which you speak because the person's not right there in person. You're just seeing them on a camera. And in fact, a lot of the time we're talking I'm actually not looking at you. I'm looking at my camera so that it's not weird for your, your audience. So it's a bit of a skill to do. You know, your lighting is important. We all know this, the height of your camera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we have lost, we have lost some of that, the fuller picture. We, we're getting, we're getting, I don't know, I'm not great at math, obviously. We're probably getting nine-tenths of, of what the message is. But it depends on, I would ask the client, are you doing this virtually? Are you doing it in person? And that would determine a lot about it. And if they were doing it in person, but we were still working virtually because they were on the other coast, then their techniques, you know, they've got to stand up, they've got to go way back so I can see everything, etc. And we can deal with it, but it's, it's definitely changed. I think the one thing that I'm a little bit in, curious to see is when we start going back in person or we are already back in person for certain things, have we lost some of those skills? Have we lost some of the skills that we had? And I don't I don't have an answer to that, but I'm curious to think that, you know, two, two, two plus years in, are people going to have lost some of that ability to jump up and, and, and speak? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, or just that that inertia of, well, it's way more comfortable to just sit where I am or, you know. It's just. Uh, yeah, that's, that, I'm curious as well. Um, it's interesting. I had, I had a similar, you know, experience going through all of this too, that, you know, this format came out of, obviously, th- through COVID that, you know, I don't want to do that. You know, I had that same feeling, you know, forever. Cause I just, I love the in-person interview. Yes. I'll drive to them. I'll drive them around. Um, all of that, you know, that dynamic. And again, I'm ecstatic. I love that, you know, this happened and I was forced to figure it out. Like, okay, how, how do I do this and still create a quality show, make things look good, have this dynamic and, and all of that. And, of course now it's you know it's yeah. fantastic yeah but yeah well this is this is awesome honestly jane i could talk about this seven hours a day um <laughs> and this is i i'm so glad you came on and talked about this because i i could talk about this with you the nuances i've got you know a list in my head now <laughs> of different ways that we could take this um but I, you know i'm just i'm just uh thrilled with with this topic and there's that you're out there guiding people through this at, you know, much deeper level than just, you know, stand this way and hold your head this way and use this inflection that it goes so much deeper and really getting somebody to transform to someone who wants to, you know, 
get their voice heard and all of that. Yeah. So this is this is this is awesome. Uh, how how do people you know reach out to you and um, find you and say, Jane, I need help? Easily, easily. I do have a website, but it's out of date. I'm one of those terrible people who you know loves doing my work, doesn't like doing the work that should be going on behind the scenes. Two ways, if you want to reach out to me, is the easiest thing. You'll find me on Facebook. I know the older people use Facebook. I'm one Jane Patterson at One Perfect Speech. You can easily find me on LinkedIn. Again, Jane Patterson, One Perfect Speech. I'm everywhere. And if you have a way in your captioning or whatever to add on, please, you can just put my um, email address there. I'm absolutely fine with it. If you want to reach out to me, I'm always open to talk. And my Calendly is available. I put it up every week on my LinkedIn speech when I put my little tip there and they can reach out on Calendly. Whatever feels the least threatening is what we will start with. If you're absolutely racked with fear, I am the person to come to. We will, can even just start with a telephone call. So you don't even have to be camera ready. Whatever's easiest, Jason, give them all the links in the world and I will absolutely get back to every single person. No worries. Fantastic. I definitely will. That'll be all in the in the show notes and yeah. all of that on the site. So go there, connect with Jane and um, just go out there and, and, and dominate your communication. Jane, thank you so much for being on. It was my absolute pleasure. And I agree with you. I think you and I could dig into this for hours, but this was really terrific. Great, great lot of material we covered. Thank you so much. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of this show. If you want help creating authority building video content or even a client generating show of your own, go to medialeadsco.com and let's connect. I'll talk to you soon on the next Strategy and Action.